The world is more of a mystery than not, inexplicable, despite all the discoveries of the ages. You know, when I'm honest about how little I really know, navigating daily life can be a complicated task. And I'm not alone. Religious and philosophical systems step in to provide useful collective wisdom. But there are so many conflicting sets of secular and religious rules for living, and they don't all agree what it takes to live well in the world. Do you have a set of maxims that you live by, a set of rules? Perhaps your parents shared something that you still hear in your head and find useful. Two wrongs, never make a right. Never invest what you can afford to lose or unless you can afford to lose. And last week's collective wisdom was don't go outside to look for tornadoes when the sirens go off. (laughs) Keep your closets clean. Don't step into rushing floodwaters. You know, the Unitarian Universalist minister, he was Unitarian, so Unitarian minister Robert Fulgham sat down each year to write his own personal set of rules in his credo. Each year he looked at what he wrote last year and saw if it still applied because he wanted his moral compass to be up to speed. You may know his name because he wrote that bestseller, All I Really Need to Know in Kindergarten, I Learned in Kindergarten. And there are such simple sets of rules that he has. Share everything. Play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat. These are simple, useful guides for civility and community. They're wise and useful. I appreciate when ethical living is condensed into a single pivot point like the golden rule. It's easy to remember. You know, it has many variations that are common throughout the ages. The the earliest documentation of the golden rule comes from ancient Egypt. And in the uh, writings, it was stated two different ways. One was a positive way. Now, this is the command. Do to the doer to make him do. And the other version is negative, a negative affirmation. That which you hate to be done to you, do not do to another. You know, that second version's become a platinum rule. Do unto others as they would have you do unto them, not as you would have them do unto you. But life's complicated, and we might need more specific rules when the community becomes and the society becomes complex. But we can still divide all the religious rules or vows into these opposing categories, one telling us what not to do, always implying what you should do. For example, the followers of the Jain traditions make five lesser or limited vows, anuvratas. 
The full vows are taken by the Jain monks and nuns, and the limited vows are for us lay people. They state Jains must not steal, must not cheat, and must not avoid paying taxes. And then Moses comes down from the mountain to impose God's Ten Commandments on the Israelites. And they depict a God giving clear instructions on what not to do. A whole string of thou shalt nots. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Other religions describe what to do and list rules in the affirmative. You know, I prefer the positive. And I think it's likely that I'm childish in my ways. My mind rebels when I'm told what not to do. Still, in the 60s, I'm still... I still think, oh yeah? (laughs) You want me to not have idols? I'll show you. Or more to the point for me, Who says I can't have a second helping? (coughs) I'm not alone in preferring positive directives, as any savvy parent knows. Saying no with a yes can be much more effective in parenting a child. Imagine this scene, shopping cart, walking through Target, Walmart, and the wise parent says, oh yes, we could get that toy. I choose not to spend the family's household money, but you can use your own money to buy it. That's effective because neuroscience reveals that the same response to yes is true in the adult brain, that positive words and thoughts propel our motivational centers of the brain into action. This positive yes helps us build resilience when we're faced with the myriad problems of life, all the things we should do. Yes, when confronted with life's problems and tricky spots, we want clarity and resilience. And when confronted with this endless mystery of ourselves and others, we want to be propelled into skillful action. So one religious system using the affirmative tool of what to do, implying what not to do, is Islam. So worldwide, Muslims are wrapping up the month-long Ramadan this week. It ends Tuesday here in Tulsa, because it's based on the lunar calendar. It varies throughout the world. And the Quran commands Muslims to eat and drink until the whiteness of the day becomes distinct from the blackness of the night at dawn then complete the fast till night. See, I love that. It says when to eat rather than don't eat during the day. So of the affirmative ethical rules I'm most familiar with, the Buddhist ones, as a farewell gift to you and to myself, I've created a a sermon series for the summer to explore in depth the eight foundational affirmative vows of Buddhism. I just lost my, hold on. They provide an ethical and philosophical guideline for most of life's problems. 
And these eight rules come from deep observation of human nature. They're not from some imagined divine source. You, know, you may know the story, a young, privileged, and overprotected young man in the Himalayan foothills began asking questions over 2,500 years ago. And this prince, Siddhartha Gautama, had the ultimate helicopter parents. Or really, he had the latest category of protective parents is called lawnmower parents, who go to any length to prevent their child from having to face adversity, struggle, or failure. So the king and queen kept Gatalma from seeing the effects of illness, or aging, or even death. And this trio of pain and sorrow are so necessary such a necessary part of life's mysteries. So strong was his urge to fully experience life, Gautama runs away, leaving behind his wife and child. There's an upcoming um, adult forum with Charlie Dugan, and he's going to be talking more about the history of Buddhism and where it comes from. But after the prince, Gautama experiences the sorrows of life and tries all the extremes to deal with it, he finally realizes, no, I have to keep a path that's in the middle. And he begins teaching. And he teaches for over 50 years. His very first talk is called The Turning of the Wheel of Truth. So in Buddhist iconography, Life is represented as an endlessly turning wheel. You know, if you think about the pain in our lives, you could think of it as a, tr a wheel that's out of true. You know, like having one of the wheels in your car not being balanced right, how weird it is to drive, and, or, or that wonky wheel on your grocery cart. That's what the pain and suffering that we all share, we can't escape it. We all get at least one crummy shopping cart in our lifetimes. So the Buddha teaches things, and ultimately he says, once you realize this is what life is like, there are eight spokes in that wheel. And each one is essential to keeping the wheel round and true. And he calls those the eightfold path. So we're just going to look at one path each of the following Sundays. And today we start with wise view or right understanding. In a nutshell, when I'm not seeing reality clearly, it's because I'm blinded by the stories I tell myself rather than what's right in front of me. And then I cause harm, harm to myself, harm to others. These teachings come down to us in a, a language called Pali, which is um, also the language, the ancient language that the Hindu scriptures are written in. And so the Eightfold Path has been translated a whole number of different ways. Often it's translated as right. So we'd be looking today at right understanding or right view but we live in this culture, this competitive culture, where the word right triggers 
the opposing notion of wrong. Well, if I'm not doing it right, then I have to be doing it wrong. We think these, that we have to do these things perfectly. But all the Buddhist teachings work to get rid of judgments and binary either-or thinking, understanding that conditions and context mean we need nuanced. We need nuanced rules. Perfection holds us back from fully understanding ourselves and the world. So literally embedded in this very first fold or path of wise view are our struggles to see clearly, to have a wise, whole, optimal, right view and understanding of life. And it matches what I believe we're called to do as Unitarian Universalists, to always be seeking to better understand, to ask better questions, to look in places we haven't looked before, to imagine the world not solely from our perspective. I imagine a Hoberman sphere when I see this first wise view. You know, when it's collapsed like this, it represents our daily get by with the get by in the world view. But when we make an effort to clear our path of confusion, misunderstanding, and any deluded thinking, we can see more clearly. We can see more clearly how things are interconnected. We can see how much larger the world is than what we see when our vision is limited by our fears and our ego, our needs, our assumptions, our trauma. Part of reality are the laws of cause and effect. Our words, actions, and deeds matter. I have an assignment for each of us. An assignment. It will be useful as this church works its way through transition to a new minister. And it will be useful as you notice things at home, at work, with your children, with your friends, with your partners. The assignment is to practice once or twice. We're not going for perfection. Remember, perfection is the enemy of the good. Practice once or twice this week expanding your view. Notice when an assumption or a story you told yourself about another or a situation may not be true. And then picture the Hoberman sphere as your new, expanded, wiser understanding changes what you say or do next. It doesn't have to be big. So we'll step together into the Eightfold Path, turning the wheel together. Our common goal is awakening, to see clearly and directly the truth of our experience, to see fully in each moment, to be aware loving, and mindful. May it be so.